Manx Radio Podcasts, powered by Shaw. Hello and welcome to this week's Countryside. I'm Simon Clark. And I'm Kiri Kermid. And that time of year, Kiri, I've had my hair cut. <laughs> <laughs> you haven't. No. Nope. But the sheep on the Isle of Man are, and we we talked to, uh, well, you talked to one of the best on the island. That's right, young young farmer Daniel Creer took up shearing contracting just after he left school, and uh, he goes off to New Zealand to shear and the local shearing circuits here in Britain and I caught up with them to talk about the New Zealand World Championships and the local shearing circuit here mm. in the Isle of Man. Yeah and we talk about uh, also I talked to Jerry Chalk who's a seed export and importer with his son Alan here, here on the Isle of Man and uh, they export in the, the Fabia beans which have uh, got such nutritional value now we'll hear about it in the programme and also the, uh, the local chip shops as well using a lot of the marrow fat peas that are brought and, and harvested here on the Isle of Man so we talked to him and also Jen Adams the Education and Outreach Officer for the Manx Whale and Dolphin Watch she was doing a presentation in front of an audience in Sorby uh, to uh, just enlighten them and try and educate them on uh, the spotting the different types of um, dolphins and whales around the Manx waters. So that's all in this week's Countryside. Manx Radio's Countryside is brought to you by NFU Mutual. It's yet another busy season here on the Isle of Man for sheep farmers. This time it's sheep shearing. I went along to speak to local contractor Daniel Creer to talk about the season ahead of him. Well, my family's always been sheep farmers Granddad has always had sheep, and then uh, my dad was a shearer, and uh, my auntie Kate was a shearer, and then we've had kiwis over for certainly 20 years, I think now. We've had like kiwis coming over to help with the shearing, so on the basis of that, as I was growing up, through school holidays, be helping a bit, doing the bits of wrapping and stuff, and then you just start shearing, and sort of went on from that. And do you enjoy it? Because obviously it's very physical. Yeah, no, I do enjoy it. The start of the season can be a bit, can sometimes be a bit harder. But once you get into it, after sort of a week or so, you're you're away with it, and it's just like anything else. If you're doing it all the time, it's it's no bother to you, really. And how do you manage with the Manx weather? Obviously, it's it's been a lovely spell so far. Have you managed to get many sheep clipped out of the way? Um, well, no, not so far, really. We we were just getting started, and then we had this sort of two days of rain. But it has been a lovely spell. It's just one of those things you've got to manage if you can. You've got some people have got sheds and we'll put the sheep in. So when there's, you know there's a wet day coming up, you try and get something in. But once you've ran through all of them, well, there's only so much you can yeah. do. If you, if you get a real rainy season, it just drags on a bit is all. Obviously, it's a very seasonal job. Everyone will be wanting you all at the same time because when the heat comes, it is essential to get the wool off the sheep. Well, it's not too bad over here. Yeah, there is a bit of um, people wanting you at the same time, but... People have been similar sort of times year on year. You've got the sort of the same people going around the same times, and as a rule of thumb, the sort of the north of the island tends to go first because it tends to be a bit hotter and drier up there and more fly. And then you sort of go south in the middle of the island, and then you finish up on the hills. So there's a rhythm to it, and that sort of works out not too bad. Obviously, there's a welfare aspect to getting the sheep sheared earliest in the season. Is that a big pressure on you guys? It varies season to season. If it's a colder season, there's not so much pressure on you. And again, if it's a dry season, there's again, there's not too much fly about. It's when you get the warm, muggy weather, you tend to have people crying out for you to come and you, you just got to fit them in as quick as you can and get them done. It's usually not too bad because most farmers are aware of it and tend to keep the, the animals clean and so you're not got too much of a pressure on it. 
but it's just something that has to be borne in mind and they've all got to have the wool off them anyway because otherwise there's uh, other aspects to it too so here on the isle of man will you what will be a busy day for you you know per hour is, is it one sheep a minute how does it work um we're probably aiming for around the 40 50 an hour sort of myself and kieran jones will probably be aiming for somewhere around that 40 odd an hour ish a bit more on the better sheep and a bit less on the bigger sheep but i sort of try and run it on 250 to 300 a person a day roughly it does change with the sheep the bigger texels and stuff do take a bit longer, the smaller sheep are a bit less, but the biggest limiter really on getting the sheep done is the uh, moves. The actual shearing doesn't tend to be too bad and you can, if you're in one place all day you can get a lot more sheep out than if you've got to go to two or three different farms. But then due to the size of the Isle of Man and the farms on the Isle of Man, this is just the way it is. And obviously you take off to New Zealand most seasons. How does it differ between here and there? It's a lot more regimented over there. Well, maybe not regimented. It's a lot more um, It's a lot more on the time. It, the, most of the South Island where I've been working, you start at 7 o'clock, then you do two hours, you have half an hour off, you do two hours, an hour off for lunch, or three quarters of an hour, depending on where you are and everything then you have to do another two hours half an hour and two hours and you finish so your day is only ever seven till five all right you might have to get up at five to travel to the place but you're back for six o'clock so you can get your stuff done and into bed in a reasonable time whereas on the isle of man you're not tend to get started before well eight certainly usually more like nine and then you could be going till nine o'clock at night so it's a lot different and then also in New Zealand it's all um, pretty much every farm has a shearing shed so all you're taking with you is your handpiece and your comb and cutters whereas um, over here you have to you take your shearing trailer and generator and machines and everything so you've got half an hour set up every time you pull up to a place and every time you move half an hour to take down as well so is preparation the key because obviously you've got the clippers to to grind down make sure they're sharp and everything has got to be spot on yeah certainly a lot of it is gear well it's quite a bit of work involved in getting your pattern for shearing to get the skill to do it but once you've got the pattern down your next limiter is gear and the better your gear is ground the more sheep you can do so gear is definitely a big part of it and sort of the more experienced you are the more you learn about your gear and the the better you can get it to go and how do you find the sheep will react to you obviously you do it day in day out compared to a beginner do they wriggle do they, they try um, and get up and run away <laughs> they certainly sit a lot better for myself than they do for a beginner but some a lot of that is just down to your position and how you hold them and just also a bit of confidence too. Sheep, like any animal, can pick up when you're nervous or whatever, and then they will give you a run for your money if they can. So it's quite a stressless job then, really, for the sheep, if, if you have an experienced shearer to, to take um, the wool off them. Yes, it's over within a minute. The way the modern shearing technique is, it stops them from wriggling and it also minimises the stress on them. Because they can't struggle, there is less stress there, and it's designed to get the wool off as quickly and painlessly for both the shearer and the sheep because yeah. you've got to remember that a lot of the sheep are sort of 80 or 90 kilos so it's a lot of weight to be hauling around especially if they if they um, are stressed out and trying to escape. And how do you see in the numbers of sheep around the Isle of Man? Are, are they altering much? But I would say they've been fairly static. Certainly, well, There's certainly less around than when I was growing up but I would say for the last, since I took the run on probably the last seven or eight years they've been fairly um, static. There has been a slight dip this last um, year or two with one or two bigger fellas pulling out 
but it's um, hard to say at this point whether that trend will continue or whether it'll reverse with some new people coming in. I don't think there's been any massive changes, and I. But with the uncertainty at the minute, it's it's hard to say whether in five years' time there will be any sheep on the Isle of Man. I see that in New Zealand they only have four breeds of of sheep compared to the Isle of Man. Uh, that's not entirely true, <laughs> but yeah, four, there probably is sort of four or five main breeds. There's a lot of um, Romneys and Romney Marine and then Merinos. But there is getting more and more mixes about because there's a lot of mixes off the Romneys. There's a, you've got your Perrindales and you've got your other breeds and now there's getting a lot of Texel crosses and stuff about. And even the um, Romney and Merino over there have changed. They've become a lot more open because they've gone more away from the wall, more towards the meat. And just to make it easier to shear them as well. While you were in New Zealand, you also took part in the, the Golden Shears, the World Championships. How did you find that? It was amazing, really. It was um, extremely well ran. It was quite an incredible setup inside a, um, a stadium. Yeah, it was incredible, really. There was, there was over 30 odd countries involved, uh, and all, most of them had sort of at least two shearers in. So, well, you, you're only allowed two shearers, two competitors in each category, but most of them had two machine shearers. So it was it was really impressive. So going from such a small place here in the Isle of Man to basically the capital of shearing in New Zealand, what an experience. Yeah, it was quite an experience. It was, um, we were very lucky to uh, have gone there, myself and Kieran, and it was quite incredible. And the competition was very fierce. It, uh, we've been to the one previous in Ireland a couple of years back and the competition was a lot tougher down in New Zealand this year than it had been in Ireland. But they see shearing as a full industry in the Southern Hemisphere. You can work all year round as a shearer near enough in New Zealand and certainly if you go between Australia and New Zealand you can work all year round. So it is a much bigger industry over there and there's also a lot more sheep per person over there so it's just a lot bigger and it's, they also treat it like a sport as well which sort of pushes it on a lot. So how did you feel in the competition? Was it, were you nervous? Yeah, it was quite nervous. Um, I can't remember how many people there was in there but there was uh, you're up in front of four or five thousand people at least every day so it was quite an incredible thing and certainly I didn't make any of the finals but the finals nights were incredibly packed out and it was some atmosphere in there as well. It was a... Um, a full uh, netball and basketball stadium and sort of on the finals night they had the three stands were all full plus the uh, basketball the netball court slash basketball court was all full of chairs as well and all the, so the two the three sides and the floor was all full of people watching so did you have to do anything to get ready for this competition because obviously you were coming up against some of the world's best yes we we'd gone out to new zealand this last year I hadn't been out for a few years so that was the main reason for going out this last year was to get some shearing in before the world champs and to compete in several shows before as well because they have quite a comprehensive circuit over there so I managed to do four or five shows before the worlds which was a nice run in and then we did a shearing course or two as well to improve our show shearing so so will you take part in any of the ones coming up in britain this summer yes i'm hoping to all depends a bit on how everything goes over here with the season if we get good weather and everything's going well i'm, I'm hoping to do as many as i can but i'll certainly be doing the uh, the royal welsh and potentially the highland but i wouldn't mind doing a few more this year than i have done previously so but again if the weather's not very good over here and we're trying to catch up 
I can't really afford to take the time off, so it all depends on how the season goes. I was Daniel Creer, local sheep shearer. Time to get the old coat off them now, though, isn't it? Uh, it's been a bit of a warm spell, but he, Danny's one of the best, but it's a tough old job you've done it, haven't you? Oh, certainly. Yeah. It's back-breaking, and once you've been there for hours on end, some of these sheep on the Isle of Man are, are fine girls, and, and they're big, up to 80, 90 kilos, some of them, and to be doing that physical task but it's needed the sun's out now so it's time to get, get them all done yeah, tough to get the old um grease off your hands too isn't it you that's know? it the yeah. lanolin can sting sometimes you get some of the old gorse poked in you and it, it does it stings but yeah. a don't tough be, job don't be going around with wool under your fingernails do you <laughs> manx radio's countryside is brought to you by nfu mutual well the Manx Whale and Dolphin Watch do a superb job around the Isle of Man. And I went to Solby to catch up with Jen Adams, who is the Education and Outreach Officer for the Manx Whale and Dolphin Watch. She was there doing a presentation and I got her to explain what it was all about. So today we're training up um, a team of land-based surveyors. So these are people that we get together to train how to do surveys of whales, dolphins, porpoises and basking sharks from the coastline. Can't be as easy as, as it seems, is it? Or is it just little tips that make it so much easier to distinguish what you're seeing? Yeah, it's not easy if you don't know um, what you're looking at. So the first half of the workshop today is we train people how to recognise the different species that you see in Manx waters through their physical characteristics and their behaviour so they can get a good idea of what it is that they're seeing. So there's a lot of hints and tips, sort of colour and head shape and fin shape and that kind of thing. Just to refresh uh, people's minds, what sort of animals have we got around or or mammals, sea creatures that that are particularly of interest? So we've got five species of cetaceans, that's whales, dolphins, porpoises. We get harbour porpoise, Russo's dolphins, bottlenose dolphins, common dolphins and minke whale. Um, the ones that we're particularly interested in are the Russo's dolphins because they're pretty understudied in most parts of the world and quite hard to spot. But around the Isle of Man, we've got a really um, special inshore population of them here. Why are they so difficult to spot? Are they quite shy compared to other ones? No, they're usually difficult to spot in other parts of the world, but only because they're usually seen in deep waters. So these are water that's off continental shelves, about 2,000 metres deep. So people have to get out on a boat and go miles out to sea to see them. But we can see them here close inshore off the Isle of Man because they're in our inshore shallow waters, but we don't know why. So they're a really interesting species to sort of monitor and get an idea of what they're doing here. It must be strange to figure that one out with the 2,000 metres depth. It's quite deep, isn't it? And the banks around the coastal waters of the Isle of Man won't be nowhere near that. No, I mean, it only it gets as deep as 120 metres here off the west coast, about six miles out. But we often see them here, you know, going through the sound where it's only up to 30 metres deep. You know, in really shallow waters here, which is almost unheard of sort of in other parts of the world. The Baskin sharks, I've heard one or two stories that people have mistaken them for Russian submarines and things like that over years. (laughs) I'm not surprised. I mean, they're pretty mega. They can grow to about 11 metres long. They're big, big fish. And you'll see them sort of steadily just cruising along the surface with their big dorsal fins. 
um, sticking up out the water. But they're all fascinating creatures, aren't they? Um, some of them like to play, some sort of mind their own business in a way. Yeah, I mean, the Risso's dolphins and the bottlenose dolphins as well, they exhibit a really wide range of behaviour. We see bottlenose dolphins close inshore on the east coast during the winter and they do all sorts of leaping and somersaults and barrel riding with boats and they're a yeah, really active, playful dolphin. But I mean, it must be strange where, where the, the Isle of Man coastal waters, I mean, what's, what's attracting them here? Because it, surely it's, is, is it a stopover place or is it just, I don't know, what is it? We do get dolphins sort of passing through on the way to Ireland or to Scotland. We also have ones that come back to Manx water sort of every year that we recognise. There's a lot of good feeding around here. We're lucky because there isn't really much in the way of threats to marine mammals around the Isle of Man. Yeah, the fishing industry is pretty nice and clean. Um, there's a lot of food, not too much boat disturbance. Um, that's, why, that's why they're here. It's nice and safe. And we often see young like calves, baby dolphins um, here with their mothers. So that's a really good sign. They're either breeding in Manx waters or very near to Manx waters. Well, you've got a few interested uh, members in the audience today taking it all in. I mean, the, hopefully they're going to come away uh, wiser and be able to maybe pass that knowledge on to other people too. I hope so, yeah. Mm. I mean, a big part of what we do is raising public awareness. And so people know that you can see whales, dolphins around the Isle of Man. You don't have to go on holiday to the tropics to see them, but we can see some amazing things um, from our very own doorstep. And do people take pictures of them and send them in to you? Can they do that? Yeah, you can do, yeah. We encourage anyone who sees one of these animals um, to report their sightings to us and send pictures in if they've got them. So they can either send it through to our website or find Maxwell and Dolphin Watch on Facebook and send it to our Facebook page or um, any way you can get in touch with us, then, yeah. then do. Is there, is there any way we can encourage these animals to stay here uh, over the years or is it just potluck or we just keep doing what we're doing and hope they come back? You keep doing what you're doing, um, monitoring them, making sure the population's stable and healthy. As long as we as a Manx community ensure that our waters are always clean, um, we don't chuck litter on our beaches and we clear up after ourselves, then hopefully the waters will be nice and clean and a really good, stable environment for these animals yeah are we going the right direction in that i mean we're sorting out the sewerage system slowly i mean the beach buddies are doing a fantastic job uh, is, that, is that all helping oh it's definitely all helping there's been a massive change um even a lot of the sort of last 10 years so we're doing our bit raising awareness that you can see these animals beach buddies are out there cleaning the beaches doing amazing things we're all it's definitely going in the right direction people working together as a community to help um, the marine environment. Well, they've not finished for the day yet. You've got to put your headmaster's hat on and go back in and tell yeah. them some more. Next up, we're training them how to actually do a survey from land and how to fill out all the forms and using a compass and all the sort of techie, techie stuff. Yeah, is it easy with mobile technology, with the grid references and things? Or? Well, we're a bit old school. We use paper-based forms uh, and handheld compasses and stuff, but that works for us. Yeah, well, keep up the good work. Thank you. Well, a very enthusiastic and knowledgeable member of the Isle of Man Whale and Dolphin Watch, Jen Adams, who is the Education and Outreach Officer for them there, explaining about the 
presentation she was doing and educating people and just giving them a bit of advice and uh, she had pictures and slides up there of the different types of whales and dolphins we have around the Isle of Man and there was a few people there very interested to help out in it which is good to see isn't it? Sometimes you spot something out at sea and you don't realise what it is and to have educational sessions like this is, is quite important really so then we can obviously log what we spotted as well and be a, a bit more accurate. Yeah, yeah, because uh, everyone you know can help. You get a lot of people texting in or ringing when we're doing programs on the radio here as well, and saying, "Oh, there's a load of dolphins uh, yeah. off the, off the head at Macklehead or whatever the coast it is." So, you know, at least it, people are spreading the words and noticing them now, aren't they? Well, that's it, and it's a lovely sight. It's quite a rare sight, but uh, if you happen to be out there and you've got your camera, oh, it's a real spectacle. It must be all the beans and peas out in the sea that's attracting them. <laughs> You're wondering what I'm talking about, aren't you? Well, to explain more about fabia beans, marrowfat beans and seeds in general, I spoke to one of the importers and exporters of seeds here on the Isle of Man, Jerry Chalk. We are looking to buy peas and beans that are grown on the island. We're particularly interested in Victor Fabia beans, spring beans, which we buy and export, send down to Wisbeach. And they're cleaned and packed in 25 kilo bags. And then they're exported to either Egypt or the Sudan, uh, where they're eaten by the local people. When dry, they're 27% protein and they're gluten-free. And we're trying to encourage people on the island to eat them. And most people say, what, beans? I don't eat beans. But um, in actual fact, a lot of the vegetarians and vegans love them. And then we also have grown a very small quantity of marrowfat peas, which are for mushy peas, and we supply the two fish and chip shops in Ramsey and two in Peel. And um, also a lady that makes Betty's pies, she's just started using them, and she's highly delighted with them. You know, we also buy other peas, a variety called Cracker Jack in particular, we buy those and export them to North Allerton to micronise food products and they are then micronised, sort of cook them and roll them and they're used for animal feed. Unlike the marifat peas, the crackerjack peas won't in actual fact absorb moisture. But it's interesting um, about you know the, the work that you're doing is actually trying to encourage the growth of these crops on the Isle of Man and to keep them here and actually use them and and it's great to see some of the chip shops actually instead of buying the big massive tins of them that they get actually using them. Yeah I mean that's it they um, two in Ramsey they before we started with the peas were buying imported peas from across we brought a couple of tons over last year. But it's, it's one of these things as well there's a lot of people um in the world now change to the vegetarian style of life the vegan style in particular also the gluten-free thing which a lot of these products are actually suiting is that have you seen a growth in that popularity yeah yeah we well uh, i think it was um this spring they had a a vegetarian fest down in laxey we went down there with some peas and uh, we sold one or two lots and um, there was an awful lot of interest by people saying, yeah, well, you know, we could buy these. I mean, these beans are sold by Dot Price at the farmer's market, Terry in the spy shop in Parliament Street and Dave Brew is down at um, 
on the way to St Jude's, he has, sells all the eggs. You know, there are, what, 80,000 people on the island? If we could get 40,000 to eat a kilo a year, that's 40 tonne of beans, mm. which saves exports. The money goes back into the economy. And, you know... But are you getting a lot of feedback and a lot of interest from local farmers that wanting to, to change to some other products? Well, um, they're already growing the, the spring beans. You have to be a bit careful that... A, they have to be sprayed to kill the Berkeley beetle, which lays its eggs in the bean's flower, and then when the beans develop, they actually burrow a hole out, so they don't want them with holes in. But I mean, you go and spoke to the local farmers until recently, people don't eat those, they're cattle feed. But, you know, that's it's there. So, you know, it's it's very interesting, and it's a challenge to get people involved. What about the fabia beans here? I mean, they're going out to Egypt, places like that. Can't too they hot. grow them themselves there? Well, it's it's too it's basically too hot. So the Manx weather has its uses. Oh yeah, because they they you know they want some water to grow, and it's not too hot for them. I mean, you know, if we can get you know a lot of the farmers here struggle because of paying very high freight costs to get anything in to import it. I mean, we sell pea seed and bean seed and cereal seeds which are, are imported and um, we get them shipped into Ramsey and the local farmers pick them up they're in half ton bags you know that works very well but you, you try and encourage it a lot of them to, to grow them here and make make it easier and help the economy wouldn't oh, it? oh yeah definitely yeah if you're growing them for seed they have to be crop inspected by a licensed crop inspector to make sure that they meet the standards and they, they need to be a minimum of 85% germination. Well, a lot of the these peas and beans are over 90% germination grown on the island. But you have to get them certified. Do you need special machinery or, yeah, or just do. To, to, to harvest them? Yeah, well, they're combined with a combine and provided the combine driver set it up you get most of the trash taken out of them so a lot of the modern combines can oh, yeah, can swap yeah. their settings and things can't yeah, they with a right. push of a button yeah 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 uh, and they can do the fabia beans and the peas yes yeah mm. yeah i mean these peas will only grow about that high whereas the fabia beans will be up about five feet really yeah and if they're much taller than that, I'm only five foot three, you can't see me in them. <laughs> so all in all, it's a, it sounds a, a great a thing, and we put the word out to try and encourage this on the Isle of Man, because, let's say, it's a, it's a very popular uh, way of eating with a lot of people these days. Very much so, yeah. I mean, I was told yesterday of a, a restaurant in Douglas, and I've not been yet, contacted a gentleman who owns it, but apparently he's looking to use as much monk's produce as he can, he does a lot of vegan and vegetarian dishes. So uh, he's next on the list to call. There we are, Jerry Chalk there, explaining about the different types of beans and seeds that, and peas that are available. And it's quite interesting. It's just fantastic that um, people on the Isle of Man uh, are using the, the marrowfat peas, you know, in the chip shops and things now, Kerry, isn't it? Oh, it's absolutely wonderful to see local produce being used, and especially you know, mushy peas is a real favourite. So, yeah, local growers and producers, and it's just working, isn't it? It's a real yeah. chain effect. Yeah, it's going to be chips, cheese, gravy, and mushy peas <laughs> in the next one, isn't it? Uh, you can get, uh, if you want more information, you can get in touch with Jerry or Alan on 880312, or the uh, email address is herbsbyus, which is H E R B S. 
B-U-Y-U-S at manx.net to find out more. Well, we'll leave it there for this week's Countryside. We'll be back next week with a special programme on Countryside, a Calf of Man special from our trip. And very exciting uh, we will be to bring that to you as well, Kerry. Manx Radio's Countryside is brought to you by NFU Mutual. There we are. Fabia beans, dolphins and uh, sheep shearing. Good old combination again on this week's Countryside. Fascinating, isn't it? We talk about it every so many weeks that we're so lucky, aren't we, to be able to, to go and find out more about these because, you know, we know a bit about it, but to hear people who have been really dedicated their life to this sort of thing talk about this, it's uh, very educational. We're very it? lucky, aren't we, mm. really, here on the Isle of Man to have the contacts and have these professional people on our doorstep. Yes, indeed. But we'll leave it there for this week's Countryside. So, from me, Simon Clark. And me, Kerry Comer. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Don't sit in the slow lane. Join the fast lane right now with Shaw's all-new Superfast Plus Broadband. Enjoy more bandwidth, amazing speeds and the best value on the island from just £23.95 per month. So, don't be left behind. Get a piece of the high-speed action with Superfast Plus Broadband from Shaw. For details, visit our stores in Douglas, Ramsey and Port Erin or click shaw.com. Love being sure. Terms and conditions apply.